0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the nosebleeds. I am Chris Witt. This is Adam Schmidt. We're cousins talking sports. Adam, how you doing today, buddy?
1: I'm doing. Uh, I'm just gonna say outstanding, but I'm gonna try to come up with a different uh, a different word every week. Yeah, because you asked me that the last couple of weeks. I'm yeah. gonna try to come up with a different word every week. Okay. To describe home feeling.
0: All right, that sounds good. I'm 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 good with that. Try to. Uh, Try to describe how you're feeling, different word every week. So then I am going to continue to ask you the exact same question every time we come on.
1: Well, how are you doing?
0: If I was any better, I'd be
1: you. Mm. Yeah, you should you should keep the same thing. I'll come up with a different word. You keep the same thing. Sounds good. Right. I like it. All right. <laughs> so today we are going
0: to uh, get into uh, some Reds, a uh, little Reds baseball talk. We're from Cincinnati, so we're going to get into that, uh, talk a little MLB uh, then we're going to get into the nba playoffs cuz i have i am about to go on a rant i'm all, i I'm right now just thinking about it there's mm-hmm. some things about these playoffs that just get on my last nerve we just got done last night the cavs beat the pacers to go to tie the series 2 to 2 and it was one of the most annoying ending of a game that i that i can am- remember in a long time
1: yeah we had a we had a long uh conversation on the phone that uh wish we were recording so hopefully it'll be uh it'll be just as good it'll anyway. be as entertaining maybe oh, I don't yeah. know we'll yeah. see but
0: I'm ready to go because I'm so annoyed by just the way that the NBA does things sometimes anyway all right so let's jump off and start off first off uh before we get going I don't know how you're listening to this but we are on YouTube iTunes SoundCloud and uh Castbox right yeah that sounds right yeah so uh, listen, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, if you've got anything you want to say, you can catch Adam at AdamSchmidt44. On, and I'm at Sick With It. On Twitter. On the Twitter. All right, bro, so let's get into it, man. The Reds. So we were talking Reds baseball last, last week, and we got in a little discussion about Brian Price and should they keep Brian Price or should they not keep Brian Price. And when I posted this Thursday morning, I was all about keeping Brian Price. It makes no sense to get rid of him. It's so stupid to get rid of Brian Price. And what do they do? That morning, I post this thing up, and they got rid of Brian Price.
1: That was uh, <laughs> that was crazy timing because we, we did. We started <laughs> talking. We recorded it Wednesday night. We, we posted it. You said you posted Thursday. it Thursday morning and Thursday morning, I don't know, probably shortly before or shortly after the posting of this podcast. They announced that they. So what got do you think? They, they
0: they they promote Jim Riggleman. I'm s- this. Okay, so this is possibly the worst baseball team in the history of baseball. The, I believe forty in the modern era, forty wins is the least amount of wins that's ever. Uh, the it is the Mets their inaugural year, the New York Mets. Now, this team is on pace right now to win. I think like 21 and a half games or something. This is ter- it's horrible. So what is Riggleman doing? Because Riggleman's been here. He's 0 and four or 0 and three now.
1: Well, he he's one and three now because they just won a few minutes ago. Oh well, congratulations!
0: Ten, ten to four. Ten, they wow, scored they 10 scored 10 runs. ten runs. What happened to? Well, you know, every blind squirrel finds a nut.
1: Right. Um, yeah. So, but going into this game, they were three and eighteen, uh, which is historically bad start. Um, they scored less than three runs in eleven of their first twenty-one games uh so zero one or two runs um they're not scoring their pitching's still bad they they've had a few starts and a couple of relievers that haven't looked awful but they are still they they do still have the third highest uh e r a staff e r a second most earned runs given up uh given up second most home runs fourth most walks they're uh, their pitching's bad their hitting's bad uh their base running's bad
0: um, everything's bad they they are a bad they're a bad team. And yeah. and going back and looking at this, their pitching their pitching gets a, a kind of a bad rap, but they gave up. There's there's a few games in there. There's a fourteen run game, a thirteen run game, uh, and two nine run games this month. Outside of those, they're really giving up about anywhere between three and four, three to five runs a game. That's not horrible. You gotta score runs. You have got to be a, your major league baseball players.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, even the worst teams have to be able to score. Um, you know, somebody's going to be the worst each year, and the Reds aren't actually the very last team, but they're close to it. Um, I can't. Who, oh, offensively. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, there there's not a whole lot to say because it's not. They're just they're just a bad team, and that's the thing. I, we were talking about that the other day. Is, I, I'm I don't even really get that upset. Watching this team because I know what they are. I I was expecting them to not be good. I wasn't expecting them to be this bad. Never
0: expected them to be this bad.
1: But but just knowing where they are, just knowing they're in that they're still in that rebuilding phase, and everybody's mad about that, and I understand that. It's um, there's, but yeah, but yeah, and it's frustrating. Even
0: when you're rebuilding, though, you should be consistently getting better. This is four years into a rebuild, and this is the worst team that we've had.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't worked out yet. It's, you know, um they they I think they have and that's why we didn't expect them to be this bad because they have some promising young players, especially arms. Yeah. Um and and they're just going to, you know, and they 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 have had some decent games, especially the pitchers, um you know, so far this season, but I expect them to get better and and, you know, they're not going to be they're not going to lose at this pace the rest of the year, I don't think. They might God, still end that. up being the worst team in baseball at the end of the year. But um, but I don't think they're going to lose at this pace. Um, the, the 10-4 win tonight's a good start. Let's, All right, so let's, let's so, get it going. so
0: what's Riggleman's record now since – since he has come on to the stands, which was Thursday, would last Thursday was his first day. And they were off on the I job. Think Thursday. They were off. That so was they, the nineteenth. So they got swept so by he's St. 0-1, 0-2, 0-3. So he is he's one, one and, three. and three. Right. All right. So I guess statistically, he is better than better. Brian Price was <laughs> doing. But better. let me tell you <laughs> that I don't understand how if you're gonna get rid of Brian Price, what are you going after now? What, what, if you want something to be better, if you if I, I understand it's historical worst ever start for the Reds, but if you're going to get rid of him, and then you put in a guy like what 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 are you gaining from Riggleman? What is what's the good there? There is yeah I'm you're wrong. N- there's nothing. There's no difference. Right?
1: Yeah, you're not. And uh, Jim Riggleman uh, basically said as much. You know, he said you know. We've been. We're gonna. We're gonna try to drill into these guys the details of the game, um, not just hitting or pitching, but the details of the game. And he said, "But that's what we've been trying to. That's what Brian's that, trying tell to me. do too." Listen,
0: this this team has been practicing and playing now f- since the beginning of February, middle of February. All right. I just don't understand how you could be playing baseball for three months and think that uh, this is uh, the shakeup is not Brian Price.
1: Right. Yeah. And and it's well, you know, I think they they got I, rid of Brian Price like we were talking about last week. That's just whether it's right or not. That's just the reaction in any sport. You know, when when a team starts this badly and especially because he's been around for a while now and they're not they're not winning anymore with him. That's that's what the hap- that's what happens. That's the reaction from the front office because they know there's the pressure they got to do something, something happen right so that's well, that's their answer and and you know Jim Riggleman is not the replacement he's not going to he's not going to be the manager next year sure um but you know there there are a few names that have uh so why not put Hatcher in there do, do get a
0: whole different type of personality i feel like Riggleman is just a carbon copy of Brian Price or, or somewhat close. Mm-hmm. Why not bring in a little? You know, uh, what's his name? Hatcher Hatch is always over at third base. He's always got a smile on his face. He's uh, Brian Price looked miserable every single day. Now, don't get me wrong. This team is miserable, but at least Hatcher still usually has a smile and gets along. It seems like he gets along, and the the players seem to really like Brian Price. But uh, get a different feeling,
1: a different vibe in the locker room. Yeah, and I and I love Billy Hatcher. I would love to see him be the manager of this team. He's been around for a while though. He's he's been, you know, he's the first base coach for a long time and then mm-hmm. he's the last few years he's been the third base coach. Um he's spent a lot of time here too, so maybe he's too familiar a face. I don't know. Um but he to to who? To the guys on the bench because I I don't yeah. know half these guys. Half these guys haven't been well, around
0: for more than 2 2
1: years. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, um yeah. But you know, but some of these guys have were in you know in the minors and they were with the team up and in down, spring, up and down, or yeah. with the team in spring training and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think they all know Hatch pretty well, um, and he's he's an outgoing guy and he's he's a fun personality and everything, and um, and I, I think he's a smart baseball guy too. So he would make sense. Um, but you know, I I don't know. I look, no matter who you put in there, they're likely not going to win that many more games you know then Brian Price was winning um, yeah. with this team but you know of course we we kind of mentioned Barry Larkin as a as a possibility last week and that's been kind of talked about for years now um you know i can see them doing that to kind of appease the fan base um but you know i don't know <laughs> i don't know what lark's going to bring because he's never he's never managed he's never coached except for in the you know he's he's done some Like go don't say going to spring training that doesn't
0: count well, as coaching you're sitting you're, you're at spring training you're just doing drills that's not when sure. those guys come and help at spring training that is maybe they're coaching the guys up but that is not coaching in a major league 162 games in a year that is a grueling pace yeah right. not a six week
1: right and and he did he did manage uh, he did manage once in the World Baseball Classic um but again that was a short you know that's a that's a couple month thing there and it w- And you also have the best players in your country. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Um but yeah and actually I, I think he went like 1 in 4 in that, in there, that or something like up. that but so not very good. Um so anyway, um but you know besides Larkin um the Reds, the Reds hired earlier this season John Farrell, who was the Red Sox manager, won a World Series with the Red Sox as a scout. So he's in the organization right so now. So
0: John Farrell, real quick, is basically Brian Price T- to me. Now, he won with the Red Sox, and the Red Sox had a great team. Right. There's a lot of good players on that team. It's easy to win with those kind of players. But ex ex-pitch- pitching coach, uh, no, absolutely no, uh, Charisma, maybe not charisma, is the right but personality on his face, face no facial expression. He's just, he's just a bland ex-pitching coach who became a manager, and that's exactly reminds me of Brian Price.
1: Okay, so let me throw two more out.
0: Okay, uh, Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi, that's an, another guy. I want a guy who's one without the the incredible talent that like a Yankees or a Red Sox can bring.
1: Has anybody done that? Has anybody won with not great talent on their team
0: well, I mean obviously but uh, okay, so some uh, what I'm saying no, is I, a guy I, I like a guy down. like Joe Mann who can take a Tampa Bay team uh who you've never heard of who is the nothing but young guys and can bring them through right or he can do the same thing with a whole lot of young guys in a Chicago Cubs uniforms that are all you know I mean yes, they paid some money to get some guys, but for the most part they're their chicago Cubs, they they came up through the organization. That's the kind of manager, somebody who can do something like that. So you know, am I asking for Joe Madden? Uh, that's a lot to ask for, obviously. But I don't think that's Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi, when he was in Chicago, wait a minute, was he in Chicago? He was. Uh, no, he was, he was. I'm thinking of when he was. I'm thinking when he was catching. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. It, I know <laughs> that he was managing the Yankees. But um, I'm. I tell I guess I'm getting old when I'm thinking of these old <laughs> managers as players. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know who's the other one because I don't like Joe Girardi either. Brad Ausmus has Brad Ausmus done anything up there?
1: He he managed the the Tigers for a couple years, and um, you know that it they weren't sucked. great, so they you know. But you know he was change of face when they well when you know number one I I have a bias for catchers number one because that's my favorite position. Well, I think if you're,
0: I think the best i think catchers are probably the best guys to be a man cuz yeah. you're you're in
1: every aspect
0: of the game more than everybody else is right
1: yeah and, and when they hired Brad Ausmus on in Detroit they talked about how he's kind of one of those progressive guys where you know he he'll look at advanced stats a lot and stuff like that and um and that's in their front office was was kind of like that too where um and you know i don't know if he if he'll, how much he does that or or whatever, if he would bring a different a different flavor, but really, I heard uh, Brian Price did that too. Yeah. Um. But so so maybe that doesn't. I don't. Mean I, that everybody much, uses
0: these advanced yeah, metrics now. You, exactly, I mean, right. there's nobody that is uh, that is gone. That old school front office is gone. Everybody has a division in their front office that that's what they focus on. Sure. Yeah. And, and some, maybe more than uh, some more than others. Right. but Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. I I think I don't I don't know that at this point in time with this team that I could say yes I think any manager is good right maybe Joe Girardi would be a decent guy I don't know but I don't like him because he managed the Yankees I'm not a Yankees fan so <laughs> I, it's, he he was easy for me to hate and he didn't seem like he liked he just seemed like he was miserable as a Yankees manager
1: and they were good yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's, and you said the same thing about Brian Price too, because I'm sure there's a lot of pressure. You know, Brian Price seemed like such a such a cool, likable, intelligent guy when he was the pitching coach for the <laughs> Reds, and then and then he became the manager and he had to talk to the media every single day. And I, I still think he is that guy, but he, I think the pressure was so much heavier on him as the manager, obviously, than the, than the pitching coach. And and I think that weighed on him a lot. I mean, you could tell. Yeah, the uh, guy
0: aged like 15 years in right. three years. So yeah, right. I don't know. I, I think uh, whatever. When Brian Price is gone. I think they could have waited. Uh, either way, basically, he's still managing. There's no change to this staff besides one guy. And that wasn't the issue with this team. Right. And you're going to find out because they're not going to be any better. I mean, maybe they'll be better than three and eighteen, but they're gonna be maybe like a a you know a five and eighteen team, you know that. Yeah, the, it's not good. Still, it's still horrible. Right. And this team goes where Joey Votto goes, and, and they don't have anybody on the team. That can protect him. He's not going to see any pitches, and he's going to struggle. When he struggles, this team struggles because of those guys on this team look up to him. They were talking to Jesse Winker the other day. Jesse Winker, they said uh, they, they were comparing him something part of his game to Joey Votto, and he stopped him and said, do not ever put me in the same sentence as Joey Votto. All right, well, guess what? You're a Major League Baseball player. Get that out of your head. Because when Votto slumps, now all of a sudden everybody else around him thinks of him as this god and he's slumping. What do you think that's going to do to them? Probably what's going on right now. We don't have anybody. Uh AUNEO Suarez is the only one batting over 280 right now. Yeah.
1: And he hasn't he hasn't. he hasn't played. He
0: played eight games. Right. Joey Votto's hitting two forty three. Your your boy, your boy, not mine. Brandon Brandon Billy Hamilton. Do you know what he's hitting right now? Just take a wild guess
1: what he's hitting. Well, last week Forget 280. Last week he was hitting 152 when we talked about it. What's he hitting this week? He's actually he's actually doing better. He jumped his batting average up
0: 20 points to a whopping 172.
1: Hey. He's he's on he also, he's on a roll now. It's going to go up 20 points every week until he gets to 400.
0: He also Leads the team in strikeouts, which is exactly what you want your contact hitter to do. I need a contact hitter who can just just use his wheels. Let's strike out twenty three times in twenty games.
1: So so speaking of contact hitter and Joey Votto, um and uh so there was a there was an article on MOB.com dot com today, um and it and it listed the most difficult guy to strike out on every team. Um so I'm sure you can guess the Reds. Votto right so. For every guy, it it had a little paragraph. Some of it was only like you know uh, a sentence, two a sentence or yeah two sentences. Some was like a whole paragraph. Vado's was the shortest. Really? It said It said Reds Joey Votto, and it said the correct answer to any question about the Reds is always Joey Votto. <laughs> 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 that that was their answer for why he's the hardest to strike out. It's the truth. Oh, the it is the truth. Yeah.
0: It's the truth. I mean, I start. I was thinking about this team, and I was thinking, man, you know what? When Suarez comes back and Shevler gets back, uh, you know, wait, hey, maybe this team's going to start hitting again. Let's, then I started actually thinking about the lineup. So you're talking about uh, Jesse Winker's going to be leading off for you. Who? Scooter Jeanette hitting second. Or uh, Scooter Jeanette's probably hitting cleanup on this team right now. Yes. S- Scooter Jeanette, uh, uh, you know, he's a, he's a utility player that's playing every single, every day for us. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Scooter Jeanette. Who was who – was-
1: an all-star caliber player. Well, yes, he
0: was. But what I'm saying is, this team is a bunch of nobodies. Well, Maybe yeah, not to us in Cincinnati, right? But this is a bunch of nobodies. There's no uh, looking at this team. There's no wonder we are as bad as we are.
1: Yeah. It, it, well, it's a really young team. It, it's it's a very young team. So that's that's kind of why. I mean, yeah. I bet a lot of people outside of Cincinnati don't know much about anybody on the team except Votto. I
0: mean, no, Duvall might be your next best guy. Right. That's I don't know. I don't know. I can't stand. I don't, I, we spent way too much time talking about these Reds. I can't. It 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 just irritates me and it it hurts me. I love them so much. I'm, but I hate them at the same time. <laughs> Speaking of though, did you see uh, the other day twenty one pitch at bat to Brandon Belt? Oh my
1: gosh. Um,
0: yeah, I, thirteen I, minutes.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was incredibly impressive, and and this is the kind of thing that. You know, the casual baseball fan or the people that don't even care for baseball say that's why it's so boring. But for me, watching that, like hearing like, okay, I I didn't see it like I didn't see it when it happened. But I watched the video and it was like that's it when I heard about it. It made me want to watch it because it's so interesting, like a 21 pitch at bat, that kind of a battle between pitcher and batter. That is so fun to watch. Oh, it's so just, much fun! Just I love how, that. how the pitcher mixes up his pitches and which ones were fouled off and where he fouled them off. And, and when you was, get past that eleven pitch
0: mark, twelve pitch mark, you're—I mean, it's close. You're—you've got a lock on this guy. So you're either going to foul it off or you're going to do something. It, it, it's so much fun to watch those. I love—I love the fact that you can go get a beer, come back, and the same guy's still up the bat. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was really impressive. It was, um, it was the most pitches in and at bat since 1988. Um, it was. Look uh, at you, Mr. Statman yeah, over here. I, 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 Jeez, it, old Pete. I, I looked into Did it. Pull it that was, one out of your butt, or was, just yeah, that right there. That's huh? where it was. It was nice. right. It was way up in there. Um, How way up in there. He, so you pulled that all the way. From... Anyway, I hope, you, I
0: hope you use gloves. Maybe <laughs> some, maybe some KY or something.
1: Anyway, uh, but, (laughs) uh, Jaime Barria and, and I'm Baria. Berea. I I was just going to say, I'm guessing on the pronunciation of his name because he was called up. He was called up Sunday yesterday to Sunday to pitch that game. He was just called up for that game. So, um, he threw, (laughs) he threw sixteen or 21 pitches to Brandon Belt. He threw 49 pitches in that first. It was the first inning. Brandon Belt was the second, second (laughs) hitter in the game. Um, so he, <laughs> so he threw forty nine pitches in the first inning.
0: How horrible is that?
1: Oh my gosh! He so he only he lasted uh, I think it was two plus, yeah. something like that, and he threw seventy seven pitches or something like so. So, um, but he
0: won. Did I they? mean, he won the at bat, but oh right, right, he yeah.
1: did. He got him to fly. That's the most important. that's right,
0: but in all honesty, Brandon Belt won that at bat. Yeah, you gotta gotta throw you twenty one pitches. It doesn't matter what you do. You just knock that pitcher out early.
1: Yep. Yep, and that's exactly what he did. And they were, he was on a short leash anyway because he was just called up that day to 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 cover, you know, just to be an arm to right. to cover. So, um, anyway, yeah, that was a really fun thing. That was that I I was fun. really exciting, and that was I think the day after or two days after, Sean Manaya for the Oakland A's, pitched the first no-hitter of the yes. season yep. against the yep. hottest, best-hitting team in baseball, the Red Sox.
0: Bartolo Colon was uh, in middle of a no-hitter, and I text Adam, uh, dude, Colon, seventh inning, it's time, dude, check it out. I don't, I don't pay attention to any of these notifications <laughs> until it gets to the ninth inning.
1: And, and I didn't. I got <laughs> in the in the fifth or sixth inning, they start sending you notifications for yeah. these no hitters. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Almost every single one ends in the seventh or eighth inning. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it hardly ever comes to fruition. But be like Bartolo Colon and actually lose the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that happens. That does happen. Yeah. A guy will go like really, really, he'll, he'll be going really strong for Unhittable. a while. Unhittable. Right. And then as soon as they hit him, He'll kind of fall apart, right? So, um, anyway, but that didn't happen for Sean Maniah. He was, uh, you know, the A's were looking pretty good early on, and um, you know, but the Red Sox were looking really great. Oh, the best team in baseball. He right. So that's
0: impressive. That makes it that much more impressive. Definitely, one hundred percent. You know what else is a lot of fun? What's that? This is a smooth transition. The Pelicans.
1: Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that? Okay, I so
0: I can believe that the Pelicans won that. Now, we talked about how Boogie was out, and you know we neither of us thought they would get past Portland. I don't think anybody in the world thought they'd get past Portland. Mm-hmm. However, they didn't just get past Portland. They're the only team in the playoffs. To, well, no, I take that back. Golden State swept. Well, no, Golden State no. has to play one more game, and mm-hmm. then they'll sweep.
1: No, the Spurs. Spurs won yesterday. Won. Yeah. Did they? See, there you yeah, go. I didn't pay attention. I was yeah. too
0: busy watching the stupidest <sighs> Cleveland Cavaliers, Indianapolis <laughs> Pacers game, Indiana Pacers game. <laughs> yeah. That's another story. We'll get to that. Yeah. Okay, Pelicans. My man Anthony Davis. I'm going to tell you right now. This kid is so much fun to watch play basketball. He. I was thinking. I was trying to think about. Okay, so when LeBron gets to his peak and starts his downturn, which, you know, two to three years, I'd say – and not to say that his downturn still going to be the top five player in the league. Sure. However, when he starts to lose that number one player, which I still think he's going to be for here for a while, I was thinking, you know, KD is probably that next guy. I'm going to tell you right now, the only player besides LeBron that has an all-around game back to the basket, can dribble up the court, can shoot the 3, can face up down low, you know, hit the 12-footer is is Anthony Davis. I don't know anybody else that does it as well as him.
1: That kid is amazing. You know what he's doing right now in these playoffs in 2018 is making his case for next year's MVP. Um because they're not going to give it to him this year even though he deserves to be in the, you know, in the top 3 discussion probably. Sure. Um but he he's he's making his case for next year and, and and it's gonna matter because it does matter because guys get all the time you know have great seasons the year before and then that kind of boosts that's them what happened with Russell comp- Westbrook last year right. everybody was like oh Russell oh my
0: gosh look at this triple double machine and then all of a sudden he became a tri- actually a triple double machine yeah. and got the and won the MVP he does the same thing basically this year doesn't and now you know, he's third person on the list, but it's James Harden's turn because last year James Harden was that great right. and and could have done it. So James Harden moves in and has another great season. So now he's the – I agree completely agree with you. So right. you see the end of this year with AD. Uh, next year he's right there. And I feel bad for LeBron James because if you – the most valuable player there is no one more valuable to their team right than LeBron James.
1: Yeah, I heard somebody on the radio today say, if LeBron James doesn't win the MVP, then we need to change the name of the, the award, right?
0: one hundred percent. But that's how, it's the same deal when, when Michael was there. But I'm I don't know. I mean, Mike had you know he's I guess Michael had Scotty and he had a. But if you look at his surrounding guys, did they do anything anywhere else? Uh, Not I, much. No, Not
1: much. I mean, Dennis Rodman. But in, yeah, I mean,
0: and he came in and that for that the second half of it. But that mm-hmm. beginning, I mean, nobody. You Steve Kerr, uh, Tony Kukoc, about mm-hmm. uh, my man B.J. Armstrong, yeah. Bill Cartwright, John Horace Dax, Grant and... had a decent career. We uh, went to Orlando he afterwards. Did. He, he did. But <clears throat> what I'm saying is, Michael should have won the MVP every year because yep. he was the most valuable player to that team, of course, and then to any team. And then I, I, LeBron's the same way, but you get fatigue, man. It's the Michael fatigue. It's yeah. the LeBron fatigue. So AD next year, right? I'm on my pedestal. If LeBron can't win it, I am taking my vote for MVP, which means zero, <laughs>
1: and I'm voting for AD. So, so yeah, right. And he and he made his case. He had 47 in the in the clinching win yeah, the other day. I know. He had 47, Drew Holiday, who we talked about their guards playing so well and, and way outplayed Portland's guards, who are probably the second-best guard duo in the league. Yeah, he, he manned
0: up Lillard basically by himself. Yeah,
1: yeah. Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo, the way they play, especially Holiday, man. Um, he had 41 in that game. He and Anthony Davis combined for eighty. What, 88. It yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, my God. So in the beginning, when, when the playoffs started, if you would have asked me who the weakest team in the West was, I would have said the New Orleans Pelicans. I thought they were the weakest team. They were the sixth seed, but I thought they were the weakest team. Yeah, they are the first team in all the playoffs to advance to the second round. They, but you know, Portland fell apart. They fell apart. Sure. But it's—I mean, it doesn't matter. It didn't. Yeah, it right. doesn't matter. You—you're in the
0: NBA. You're playing. You're—you're you're all professionals. The, they are the only ones that did
1: it. The Pelicans did not advance because partially but not only, not yeah. solely because the you know Portland fell apart you know, they they played that well and they're going to be ready to play now they're going to they're going to face Golden State next i don't think they're going to beat Golden State certainly but man they got, I, you know i would have said yeah Golden State sweeps you know the pelicans no problem um but i don't think that now
0: i agree i agree i i don't i don't i don't see it either i, I in and you get... I don't. Who are they going to put on a, on Anthony Davis? I I don't even know who yeah. on that team could guard him. Yeah. There's I no Iguodala would be the one that the only person I think that they would try to put on him because he's their number one defender and they try to make him defend four or five spots. But
1: they'll probably put Draymond Green on him, a- and he'll he'll be able to give him a little bit of problems. But but he'll
0: it's an easy jump shot every time he could he could put him in the paint, and it's a it's an easy ten foot jumper for because there's Draymond cannot contest a shot for him He just can't do it is long much longer I feel
1: But I don't know I either way it's an it's it's a task yeah it's a task yeah and, and I, I mean Holiday and Rondo are gonna are gonna put some pressure on yeah on Clay Thompson and Steph Curry if he comes back and it's gonna be I mean those two I I take Steph and, and Clay over the over those two any day, but you but, would have done that in this past series right, too. Right, but the, but the way those guys are playing right now, it's it's a, a lot closer to being an even match than it, it looked like at the beginning of these playoffs.
0: I agree. I agree. All right. So, is there any other uh, any of these other uh, uh, playoffs that have that have striked you in any way?
1: Well, y- you do have you have three you have three Eastern Conference series at two two now because it, it, all three teams that won on Sunday you know made their brought their series to 2-2. Um
0: the Bucks blew a 20-point lead and yet somehow still won. They did. Why and and this tells you how bad the Celtics are. They have was it Marcus or uh one of the Morris brothers taking the last second shot to try to tie that game. Yeah. That's you, I mean it just shows you what happened to this to this Celtics team, but it also shows you the fact that they we're still able to come through in something like that when they get those guys back next year, dude, I, it'd be impressive to see what Kyrie and, uh, and uh, Gordon Hayward could do with this team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think they're, I mean, it's two, two. And, and the bucks had the, the bucks almost lost the, uh, the bucks almost lost that game that they had in control for a while. And they had to, they had to get a, a tip in from the, from inspector gadget um, <laughs> at the end of the game to win. And, uh, so so, <laughs> that series is two two now. Um, I still think the Celtics can can win that series though and, and advance to the second round without their two best players. Yeah. Um, Wizards Raptors, um, that was that was two o Raptors and it looked pretty pretty bleak for uh, for the Wizards, but they went to Washington and, and got to took care of home court. So that's two two now. Yeah. Um, so I mean that's you know the Wizards are playing better now um, the, because you know John Wall is John Wall. That's fine. First couple games. Their their supporting cast, inclu- including Bradley Beal, did not play well. The last two games they did, um, they they finally started playing the way they're, you know, you kind of expect them to play, um, and so I, I think they're right there now. I, I think that's an even series again, um, and that's going to be really exciting. I, I I can see that going seven games. I can see Buck Celtics going seven games. Um, and then the last one, it, it, Philly and in, in Miami, Philly's up 3-1, and they're probably you know, going to end that series either in the next game or the following game. Yeah. Um. But but the last Eastern Conference series is Cavs-Pacers, and that one's 2-2 after that game.
0: All right. So Sunday. let's get into this Cavs-Pacers deal. Right. All right. So I am a Xavier fan. I love the Xavier Musketeers. All right. And I'm only saying that because Lance Stevenson is a, is a former UC Bearcat, even though it was just for one year. Right. I can't stand that guy. Yeah. I cannot stand that guy. I didn't like him. his first. You know, the first stint with, with Indiana with the blowing in LeBron's ear, whatever. That was a little funny. And then it got caught. I mean, it got caught on tape. He was probably messing around. It got caught on tape. Blew up. And he has formed and molded himself into the dumbest idiot, <laughs> In he, he's almost as dumb as he he I feel like he's almost as dumb as Javale McGee. I
1: I think he's I think he's worse. I I, I think he's I think
0: McGee's just an idiot. I think this guy's doing it on purpose, and he looks even stupider. Yeah. It, no no offense
1: to McGee. I I mean he's a good basketball player, but he's. Yeah and Lance Stevenson's a good basketball player he's just not a smart basketball player if he,
0: he got his head on straight he'd be great he yeah. would
1: be a really good player and he was for a while his first stint in Indianapolis yeah. he was the second best player behind Paul George I mean right. for a while he he was he he had some really good games for them um even in the playoffs too and, and you know he's he's the one guy who can get under LeBron's skin a little bit they say that um, <laughs> I I he he gets under his skin. That doesn't mean he stops him or that doesn't mean yeah, he slows uh, him down or that like it that. affects LeBron in any way. But well LeBron does think about him. Sure he does. He does I'm sure he does.
0: Here's the deal though. This guy <laughs> this guy. Okay. So go through this. So there's a jump ball mm-hmm. on LeBron James, uh in the third quarter, I believe it was. Yeah. Which jump balls in the NBA normally are ridiculous it's a foul every single time not every time if somebody jumps up and you know blocks a shot and they come down and they're both still holding the ball that's a jump ball sure or if there's a ball on the ground and somehow neither people are rolling on each other and they both have the ball okay that's a jump ball that never happens when the ball's on the ground there's people diving on top of each other or you get a time like this idiot Lance Stevenson does at the end of that the end of the Cavs game they were looking they they had to go back and check it to see if there was a flagrant foul on on the calves they wanted they wanted to call a technical foul on the calves he reached around the guy grabbed him by the head and pulled him to the it looked like wwf and they were trying to get on the calves guy i can't stand him i hate him i can't
1: stand him and then he looks <laughs> like he didn't do anything like what you called foul on me yeah. what did i do yeah. Well, first of all, that's everybody in the league now that complains about when they obviously foul somebody, um, and, and, and I don't want to—I don't want to get off on that tangent yet. But yes, so Lance Stevenson, is—he's—he's he's far too worried about the mind game and the the theatrics, and if he makes a shot, you know, with seven minutes left in the second quarter he's going to run down the floor and flex and make faces and his threes and all talks. over the place yeah. he plays his three
0: guitar and he shoots his three ball arrows and you ain't done nothing you're down by 10 you're in the middle of the second quarter come on
1: yeah and he wants to do he wants to do all the grabbing and and uh you know touching lebron and and you know messing with him and talking and he just gets way too into that stuff, and there are plenty of guys that that do that. And usually, those are the guys that you know around the league people kind of dislike because you know they're just there to to do that. And and you know some of those guys end up you know you kind of think of some of those guys as being a little dirty and stuff like that. I don't necessarily think Lance is dirty, I but I wouldn't call him dirty. No. I would call him annoying. He he's very yeah he is he's annoying. Stupid. And, and, and like you said, if he if he just had his head on straight and if he just thought about basketball, his talent is so, he's so athletic and he's, he's fast and he's strong. And he's, I mean, he's got, he's got shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Some. And he, but I mean, he can, he's a one man fast break if he wants to be, Mm -hmm. but he's just so worried about, about looking good. The the game uh, at at the end of the, uh, at the end of the regular season where he comes down and makes in transition makes an incredible block on a guy, blocks it off the backboard when a guy was way ahead of him, Hustled, hustled after him, made a block, blocked the ball off the backboard, and then stood there and flexed while the ball bounced to another guy coming behind him that, caught the ball and dunked it right behind Lance, who had his back to the guy because he was looking into the crowd or into the camera flexing after his block. That, that's-, that's the kind of, that's a micro that, – I mean, that is Lance Stevenson – if there's the definition of Lance Stevenson, it's that.
0: I want. I didn't see that, but I would love to see that camera angle because you know the only reason he's flexing is because he saw a camera in front of him. Yeah. So he's doing, and to see the guy behind him dunking would be phenomenal because I can't stand the guy. I think he's an idiot. I think the NBA needs to do something about their jump ball rule. I don't know how you're gonna oh. do it. I I think they need to figure out a way to. Okay, I understand that you're going to get away with traveling. Uh, that extra step, the euro step, and, and there and, and there's a lot of extra steps when guys are are making a drive to the basket. I understand that. But when a guy catches the ball and takes 3 steps mm-hmm. and then starts dribbling, that annoys the hell out of me. Yeah. When a guy catches a ball on the side and LeBron does it all the time. He's pivoting with his one foot with ball in one hand outside and then you see him literally pick that pivot foot up and he's still moving. What do that that's, that's a travel. What yeah. Don't do that. That you're not teaching kids kids are watching that and they think they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. It's like you're getting too close to end one I I don't want to be the guy that complains about the NBA and the travel rule because that's a guy that I usually can't stand. But
1: I wanna be that guy, I'll be that guy. Right. I can't stand it. I it's stupid it ugh. is. There's traveling almost every single possession, almost yeah. every single one. And it's, you know, a lot of it is the stars too because obviously because their usage rate is so high, they're going to have the ball in their hands a right. lot. And and they, oh my, it, LeBron is really bad, or Westbrook, every, Harden? every, all your favorite player, whoever your favorite player is, he travels plenty, <laughs> trust me. And
0: the thing that gets me is one step below that is college basketball. And they are on top of the travel. I mean, they call. I think. I think that they're more on top. Well, maybe much, it just seems that way so because of because of that. But you see a guy all the time in college catch a ball in a corner, sit there for a second, moving his pivot foot, waiting, and then go to make a move to go to the basket. Well, when he makes that move, he lifts his pivot foot up before he dribbles, and they call that as a travel because it is a travel. You can't do that. Right. Never gets called in the NBA. And I don't in, mind the extra step on a layup or something stupid like that. Whatever they've already allowed this Euro step so you can take five steps before you lay the ball in and jump around and play hopscotch. So I don't care about that. But when you literally are just standing there
1: and walking, that's what it's called. It's a walk. It's a track. I can't stand it. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten way out of hand. It's several different cases, like we've been saying on the catch, when you start your dribble, um, you know, when when an inbound after a made basket, a guy catches it, turns around with both feet, and then takes two steps and starts dribbling down the floor. Go go I mean, one
0: step worse than that, and and be the and you got Russell Westbrook last year catches the ball on an inbound and took seven steps before the refs blew the whistle. Seven steps they counted them. one two and then the refs blew the whistle. Steph Curry's jumping up and
1: down like a crazy person. Yeah, he was cradling the ball. He was like. <laughs> It wasn't <laughs> – he didn't have his hand on top of it, on the side of it. He's, like, holding it the was ball, holding it against walking down the floor like he's in practice, moving on to the next drill or something. Yeah, yeah it, it's – I mean, that was an obvious one. And, the, and yeah, I don't think – the. I think the referees were just caught off guard yeah, because he was the only one in the backcourt. But, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 that kind of thing, though, that's that's happening a lot more. And it's getting closer and closer to that kind of stuff where, guys, you see it on Shaq and a Fool and, and different shows like that that – you know that show, and will count the steps. I mean, there there are cases where guys took seven, eight, nine steps because they're switching their pivot feet and and, and moving around yeah. when they're standing there with the ball, and it's and and referees are not picking that up. And okay, if you move your pivot foot just a little bit, you slide it just a little bit trying to reach to make a pass or something like that. Okay, right. but it's not. It's really no, blatant. No,
0: it's lifting it up and moving it. And then pivoting some more, and then moving it another okay. foot in the other direction. Yeah,
1: yeah. There, there are so many videos you can find on the internet of 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 these kinds of cases. LeBron's done it a few times, really multiple badly. times. I see him do it yeah. almost every
0: game. Yeah. And I love LeBron James. You know how much I love LeBron James. I hate that. Yeah. He, it, like I said, the extra step the basket, whatever. But when you are blatantly just standing there with the ball, moving your feet, that is the most annoying thing in the world.
1: I, you know, that's one of the, traveling is one of those things that I feel like every year they say that we're going to, it's it's a point of emphasis. We're going to talk, we're going to look for it. We're going to call it. And uh, most of those kinds of things are called for the first week or two, or maybe month or something. And then they go by the wayside. It's just then, you know, everybody kind of just gets into the groove players and referees and everybody. Yeah. And, and, um, but yeah, and, and quickly back to the, to the jump ball thing, I, that's Maybe my biggest pet peeve, you know, in officiating, and it's not that one's not just the NBA. That's every, that's every single soon, level yes. of basketball that I've that I've seen. If I'm
0: on the ground with a ball, and you come over top of me, and you're laying on my back, and you put your hand on the ball, that's not a jump ball. Yes,
1: and and it's right, correct. That's a foul. It's a foul, and and that's the thing is a jump ball to so many referees now is if I'm touching the ball with a finger. Yeah. I mean if I have if I have both my arms like you said, I jump on top of you because I'm hustling after the ball, yeah. even though you're already on it. I'm I jump on top of you, wrap both of my arms around your entire body and touch the ball with one hand. Just touch it. Not have it, not that's the thing. A jump ball is supposed to be when two guys have possession. That's or, the key word. Possession. Possession. Yeah. And so having just touching the ball is not possession. That's mm. not possession. That should not be a jump ball. It's called all the time. The foul is missed all the time on loose balls. I'm not ever gonna say 50 50 ball, by the way. I hate that term so much, but it's like no one says loose ball anymore. I will always say loose ball for the rest of I my life. I love loose ball. Anyway, um <laughs> but but those those situations, a foul so much of the time almost never called, and then a really quick jump ball that's nowhere close to a jump ball. The quick
0: jump ball gets on my nerves more than anything too because you see that with when a game starts getting, uh, I don't want to say out of hand, but when a game starts getting a little tense, Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see referees all of a sudden call a jump ball like immediately. And I can, whatever, I don't understand it. I do understand that they're trying to get the game under control. They want to get these big men off of each other as fast as possible. But that's part of the game. It is part of the game. If, 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 if I'm, if I got the ball and I'm just moving or I get a rebound and I bring it down and a guy just puts his hand on it from around me and he doesn't knock it out of my hand or he doesn't, but he does so
1: doesn't have the ball. That's not a jump ball. Right. Right. And and that brings to mind. So, so we talked about two major things in officiating. There are two things that are really grinding my gears that players are doing and it's, it's, it's bothering me so much, and I wish I want there to be something that the league can do to, um, to manage this. Um, one is involving the jump ball after the whistle. Both got neither guy will let nobody let it go. Lets go. No, nobody will let it go because I'm assuming it's a macho thing. Yeah. I'm tougher, I'm stronger, I'm coming away. It's a win for me. If I get, even though it's not a win because it's already been called a jump, it's ball. over. It's so over. the win You're is gonna... the possession arrow, whoever yeah. <laughs> gets the possession arrow, but or it, jumping up for the ball, and that and that causes that causes all the skirmishes, it causes it, it causes all the little stupid pushing and shoving that never ends up really into anything. Yep. But but it's just that's that's so unnecessary, and it's just a it's just an ego macho thing, I, I think and it's it's the dumbest thing, and, and it's it's the root of, it. I mean, it's the cause of so many of the problems when guys start pushing and shoving and talking and getting in each other's faces.
0: All right, so then when that happens, it's just a double technical immediately. If you guys don't let go of the ball, you get one warning, drop the ball, jump ball, jump ball, jump ball, drop the ball, nobody drops it, team both up. I think if you start doing that, you're going to get a lot
1: more technicals, but there you go. That's the point well, of it. That's the thing. Yes, and and, and I and that's a, that's a good thought. And, and the only, the only thing because with almost any rule change or whatever, you you have um, you have some caveats where you know, and and one I think for that is sometimes a guy will have his arm in and his arm is trapped. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and it might look, but then you know you can go to the go, go to, to re, go review. They, go it. they review everything. everything. Right? It, there's <laughs>
0: there's more review time than there is basketball playing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. So go look at it. You already are anyway, right? So you, you should be able to tell from there most of the time whether a guy is still fighting for his you know fighting for the ball after the whistle. Or whether his arm is stuck in there,
0: right? You know, um, if the other guy is holding his arm down, right? Or sometimes
1: the guys try to make it seem like their arms are tangled in there. They're actually they're they're the ones hooking, right? Yeah. Um, So anyway, but yeah, something like that where you just hand out technicals. Uh, uh, Okay, so it's the player's job to adjust to that. That's exactly right. Yeah. So so and that's so uh, something like that to get that cleaned up. Number two would be what's yeah. what's number two because I think you know what no, number two is number, and I got my answer for it. Uh, number two is complaining to the officials. I'm so sick of seeing guys. I'm guilty of it when I play, but I'm so tired. Ty- I've I've gotten better about not complaining to the officials because I'm so sick of seeing NBA players complain to the officials, and it's that it has a trickle down effect because NBA players do it, college players do it, high school players do it. Kids, little kids who are playing basketball in elementary school, whether it's AAU or a really bad school team, (laughs) like the St. Martin Wildcats, uh, you know, there are kids that that play for them. And I'm allowed to say that because I was part of some of the worst, (laughs) some of the worst, some of the worst (laughs) grade school basketball in the history of basketball. But, um, but I mean, Kids are doing that, are throwing their hands up and making faces. And, you know, every time a foul is called, every time a travel
0: is called on them, every time LeBron goes to the basket, or not just, I shouldn't say LeBron. Every time a guy goes to the basket, he thinks he's fouled and he complains. So here's the deal. And I told you this the other day. I this is I don't remember a lot of that going on back in the day. I don't remember ever seeing a guy like uh, Magic Johnson or Larry Bird ever doing. Maybe get, you know give a give an eye every now and then. Uh, you know who I do think did it a lot was Isaiah Thomas. I did see Isaiah Thomas. He always seemed like he was talking to ref. But I really truly believe people watch Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, I think, started this revolution of complaining to referees. You see, Mike Michael, they they talk about it. Referees, well, referees talk about it. He would be in a ref's year all game long, and then. Eventually, he starts getting his calls. Well, I'm, or not getting calls, but he—I think he started it. Everybody saw him do it. They think they can start doing it because he's the greatest player to ever play the game. They—they want to be him. So then you got your 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 Kobe's and your uh, LeBrons and Carmelo's and, that, and then it becomes a thing where Draymond Green complains every single time. You're you're a role player on on a good team. Uh, if you played on another team, uh, you probably wouldn't be. You probably be Marquise Morris. <laughs> or something like that, but what I'm saying is, is it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody does it now. Mm-hmm. It's and I truly believe it's a
1: trickle down from from Michael, and and that. So so you told me that off the air the other day, and it blew me away. I'll be honest, it blew me away. I never thought about Michael that way. I I you know I I definitely have a bias for Michael Jordan. I I he was the guy growing up. Sure, um, you know. I, I never of course he talked he talked to the officials um and I you know guys that in that era did too. I feel like I feel like it came I feel like it really started right after um Michael left like the the early 2000s um that's the, what I'm saying but I, you're saying it started I'm saying with that, Michael because I saw him do it
0: it it, it the revolution was created from this one thing and so all this trickle down kids watching and the, they get older and start playing that that's the eight, that's the group that started this this where they can do whatever they want and say anything they want to anybody i tr- that's just my opinion
1: yeah. i could be completely no, wrong I, I, that's fair and I, I we we probably watched michael jordan differently Growing up, you know, like... Uh, you sure, know, I was you, a, Knicks you were fan. a Knicks fan. right, right. And they had a huge rivalry, yes. too. So, and I hated the Knicks. <laughs> the, the team you loved, I hated the Knicks. And I loved Michael Jordan. Anybody who had a problem with Michael... I hate the Detroit Pistons bad boys because... They were a huge rival for Jordan early in his now, career. Now, I today. loved Michael
0: Jordan, and I loved the Bulls. Don't get me wrong, but I was a huge – I was more uh, – I more hated the Pacers than I did as a Knicks fan than I did the Bulls. Be the Reggie Miller and the Spike Lee and all that shit.
1: And I loved the Pacers because <laughs> they – that was like my second favorite team because it, it, they is had Adam a Adam sits ri- in my basement right now talking with an Indiana Pacers sweatshirt on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have, but I have a Cavs sweatshirt too, so it's huh. not like I'm rooting for one or the other. Um, I'm rooting for a seven-game series, anyway. Um, but yeah, so I, I, so for me, the complaining to the referees thing, I, I didn't, I didn't remember Michael Jordan complaining more than anybody else. But I, to me, it seemed like it started with, you know, the early 2000s, the Kobe, Stefan Marbury, Allen Iverson um Kevin Garnett um those those guys that really kind of took over the league for a little while right after Jordan left. Yeah. Um and it, that's when it seemed to me like there was a lot more
0: Every one of those guys you name, I guarantee would say that Michael Jordan was their was their idol and who they 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 mocked their game after.
1: Yeah, oh sure, was, I mean especially Kobe, but obviously. I would bet though that I would bet, though, that if you asked all of them where they got their communication with officials, where they got that from, I would bet not one of them would say Michael Jordan. I'm gonna
0: tell you, go back, watch some YouTube video of Michael Jordan, and I bet you see him complaining all
1: the time. I have like 15 DVDs of game, of full games of Michael Jordan, there so I'll go
0: back and watch. I I'm, I could be completely wrong.
1: That's just if that's, I'm if I, I'm looking for it, I'll bet I'll see it but i sure. just i still don't feel like he complained more than anybody else he got I'm not he got more calls that. than anybody else i'm not saying I'll admit that
0: i'm not saying that i'm not saying that he he did it more or as much even as these guys do now i'm just saying that he was the one focal point for a 7 year period you know where he was the man there was nobody else but michael jordan mm-hmm. and if he, you know, you see him every once in a while walking over, the refs would actually commun talk with him because he was that good. So they would not just turn their back to him; they would actually speak to him. Mm-hmm. Everybody starts seeing that now. They want to talk to the refs, and then that next generation comes in, and they all think that that's what how basketballs played because that's how they saw. I I, I could be yeah. completely wrong. I
1: mean, every every team has captains, and and the captains are supposed to be allowed to, to talk to the officials. Um I never but, understood how that what that deal was all about. What what, what oh, you're the
0: captain. What what does that mean? What is that uh, I don't I get I get nothing out of that except the C on my jersey.
1: It's the, well you're the leader. I mean you're you're a leader of the team. So so you should have it's usually the best players or or you know a couple of the best players on your team, but it should be beca- you know because that's the case where where you are you can be a conduit to you know for for your team to the officials you should have your best communicator maybe uh, or some of your best communicators you know if if you have three really good players on your team take the two best communicators maybe and, and put them in those positions because because they will know how to know how better to now everybody's you know everybody's adrenaline adrenaline is going crazy during games and people get emotional that's just the nature of the sport but but you know, guys that can, and that's the thing. Like, if you if you listen to some of those like Wired, you know, where guys are mic'd up, um, sometimes you hear really good conversations where where it seems like a player and a referee might disagree on something, but but they have a good conversation. But they have a good it. conversation about it, and their understanding. And we've seen that a few times in these playoffs too, with with guys. Um, so I, you know, I would I would love to see. And they around the All Star break at the All Star break, I think they had a meeting. Um, between the players' association and and the officials, um, about communication. I heard a really great podcast with Monty McCutcheon, a, a longtime former referee um, who who's still in the, in the league office um, representing the, the officials, and and he talked so much about the the uh, the relationship between players and and the referees and the communication and and how you know how it breaks down sometimes and and who was really good at it and, and how, you know, understanding each other's jobs a little bit better and making an effort, you know, to, to have some empathy for, for an official, if you're a player and a player, if you're an official and, and, you know, really like looking into the relationship and the communication in the relationship between a player and official, you know, that was, that stuff's really, really interesting to me. And I, I think, they could do a much better job of maybe like at the rookie combine and really every year, maybe in maybe as part of training camp or something, having somebody come in and talk to guys about about that and, and about communication and, and understanding the job of an official and, and I'm I'm pretty sure they actually do that for the officials. Sure. Um but I think they could do a better job of that and I think that would help I think that would help a little bit. And like I said, in the middle of a game, everybody's emotions are so high. It's hard to, you know, no matter how, you know, how how well you control your emotions and stuff, you're still you have that adrenaline pumping and, right. and, and and you're going to be a little more emotional, but but you know, if you if you have some sort of training on how to handle that and and have a better understanding of what the officials have to go through to do a great job and how good they really actually are at their jobs, even though somebody is one team is really upset and thinks that the referee was wrong every single play, whether he makes a call or doesn't or whatever that call was. you know, I think they could do I think they could fix that a little bit at least, and make the complaining to the officials every single it play. It would have
0: to start with the superstars, and those are the ones that do it the most. It would have to start with a LeBron James saying, all right, look, we do this way too much. I go back and I watch the film and, yeah, I wasn't fouled or, or yes, I did get him. Uh, so it's got – I to me, if this is going to happen like this, it can't just be the league saying, okay, referees talk at the rookie symposium or, or uh, players talk to the referee, you know, the players' union talk to the referee. It's got to be the main guy saying, all right, this has gotten out of hand, we need to stop. I don't I I I don't know how that happens. I don't think you can do it.
1: Well, I no, I agree and I think I, I think it could because I think we have right now some of the most you know, some of the best players in the league are really smart guys and and they can LeBron James I think could definitely handle that. I, I think he But he does it more than anybody. Yeah, I uh, no I agree. I agree, but I think if you I think if you sat him down and and, and had like a training with him to, to help him understand and make him understand and that's the thing too. He's a leader. You know, he knows he knows the NBA is in his hands right now. Right. And I and I think he's smart enough and he's a good enough communicator to, to say, you know, to understand that and say, you know what, I can do a better job. Because because I, I think he also well,
0: well then somebody needs to sit him down and get that going in his head because right now that's not happening. Right. Yeah. You're I mean, yeah. I think right now we're as far away from that as you can get. Yeah, because it is at its worst right now.
1: Yeah, probably it's really bad. But you know, I I do think you know I think some of those ideas I think they could I think they could really look into that stuff.
0: Starts with Chris that whole it starts with the with the Cabana crew man. It starts with that Chris Paul <laughs> banana, boat. <laughs> banana boat whatever it is. Uh, yeah. The the Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. It starts with that group of guys because mm-hmm. even though some of them are on their way down, everybody else still looks up to them mm-hmm. and respects them. So I think in the NBA right now, everything starts with that group. If those guys decide they want to do something, the whole NBA does it. Mm-hmm. And and that's if you're going to get something done like this, that's the only way it's going to happen.
1: I agree.
0: All right, man. What do you think, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I think it's been a, I appreciate you you coming in today. I appreciate everybody listening, you know, all 3 to 30 or however many people listen doesn't matter. We appreciate it. Uh hit us up, let us know if there's anything you think we could do differently or or should talk about or something like that. Uh let us know on on the Facebook, uh search the nosebleeds. Uh YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, the whole deal. That's it. There you go, man. We really appreciate you listening and uh we'll catch you next week. Yeah. You next free week. next week? Yeah. I'm free sure next we'll week. Next Let's week. do
1: it. All right.